morning, brothers and sisters. It's good to be among you. Good morning, those of you who have joined us on the live stream technologies. We appreciate your fellowship with us. And today we continue with our series on the person of Jesus Christ. He is a unique person. He's one. Jesus is truly one of a kind. Amen. Try as someone may, they will not encounter any person quite like the person of Jesus Christ. He stands out. He's separate. Jesus was a man, but he was separate from sinners. See, when he was here, people said things like, never a man spake like this man before. He didn't, when he taught, he didn't teach like the scribes and the Pharisees. And you'll find, you'll encounter, when you encounter Jesus, there's no mistaking it. There's a, he's, a, he's a unique, one of a kind. There, there's a lot of look-alike Jesuses in our day. You know, and that might have things in common with one another. But see, this Jesus, this Holy One of God, is one of a kind. In fact, this exclusively... Te- this exclusivity it t- actually testifies to the truth. That's right. You see, there's only one truth and only one way things really are. And if Jesus is the truth, then we can expect to find things in him that we will not find anywhere, right. anywhere else or in anyone else. Right. One truth, one person, one God. So you got all these different religions. You got all these people promoting all these different ways. See, there's not this exclusivity in those things because it's not the truth. See, there may be other religions that promote that people promote and other gods, but only our God is truly unique in who He really is and what He really does. For instance, only our God is known as a righteous God. What other God is known as righteous and holy? What other righteous God is it said of that is blessed and joyful? Huh? Is there any that are testified out there that are like that? See, most of the heathen gods are fearful and angry all the time. Despite the servitude of the people. Despite the zealousness of the people. A person can like offer their children to these other gods and they're still angry. See, our God is not this way towards his people. He's not this way towards his people. Today I want to talk about this aspect of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is called Emmanuel, God with us. The text is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23. It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. This can only be said of the God that we serve. The heathen do not have such a God. The gods have never been with the people, let alone taken on the form of the people. They sit at a distance from the people who serve them, even when the idols are presently with them. Even if a person is zealously devoted to these other gods, they will never experience deep fellowship with them, let alone a reaction. Remember the prophets of Baal. They cried out and they even cut themselves. Not a word. There wasn't wasn't even a reaction. 
Their experience is one of fear and not of intimacy. But this is not how our God is to those who are living zealously for him. We actually live in a period of time where the one true God is actually accessible to all of humanity. He's accessible. He's an accessible God. This was to be the fulfillment of the word that was given by Isaiah the prophet. Therefore, the Lord himself, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The same one who is called Wonderful. The same one who is called Counselor. The same one who is called Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. The same one who is called Jesus, the Christ, the one whom God appointed to save men of their sin. That same one is called Emmanuel. It's his name. It, it's who he is. See, in our, in our day, we name our children things that sound nice, but it really doesn't mean anything. Like Joe and Frank. And, but that's not how names have always been. When the people in Scripture named their children, it was always due to the circumstances of what God had done. Like, for instance, Leah conceived, says, Genesis 29:32 Leah conceived and bare a son and she called his name Reuben for she said surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction see she she connected what God had done and, and named her child after that and and even people who didn't really know the Lord in those times did this to some degree this is this is really the kind of like the degradation of mankind that that we're experiencing in these latter days even people who didn't know the Lord to some degree name their children after the circumstance. Pharaoh's daughter says, And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. See, see that, that's why his name was called Moses. Yeah, amen. Names meant something. And see, this name Emmanuel is no different. This, is, this isn't just like an official title. This isn't. This isn't just like a. Uh, uh, this isn't just like a a, a, a title. This is a reference to what God has done, and His condescension to humanity. The Holy Spirit preserves this world. This word Emmanuel in the Holy Scriptures preserves that word. Yet is also careful to translate it. It's preserved because the Lord came to his own. See, this is this word Emmanuel is a Hebrew word, Emmanuel. The Lord came to his own. See, salvation is first to the Jews. But the Holy Spirit is also careful to translate it as well. Which translated means God with us. He, he, he came to his own and his own received him not, but he... He hasn't just come for a select group of people is what you want to see. He's come to all mankind. It's the same way that the king of the Jews was translated in all the nations of the world, all the, all the languages that were in the world. It's the same way that the Lord, he's translated this. See, God is available today to all who seek him. Now Moses was commanded to put off the shoes from his feet at the appearing of the angel in the burning bush. He said, take your shoes off of your feet. You're standing on holy ground. 
And brethren, this consideration that God has come down to dwell among us is a holy ground consideration. Jesus, the one who was from everlasting to everlasting, the Godhead came down from heaven and became a man. Let us, like Moses, put off from us the things that touch the earth. This is something that must be considered by faith. Human reasoning and intellect cannot get a hold of this, nor is it intended to. The scriptures state it, and we by faith receive it without any further information. The details do not have to be spelled out for the reality to be received that Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. See, even though we we don't have all the details of what was involved in that, of that marvelous condescension that God is with us. Nevertheless, this should not be a casual statement that rolls off your tongue and bounces across your ears. This is a weighty and a sober statement, a reality that must be duly considered and allowed to enter your heart and mind. This isn't the president coming from the White House to secretly live in the poorhouse with the beggars. See, that would, as noble as men would think that that would be, that would still be a horizontal movement. Okay? This was a long vertical distance traveled, speaking as man. This was a long, he came a long way down to us, brethren. We're talking about the preeminent, eternal creator of the heavens and the earth, the almighty, majestic, Infinitely holy God being with mankind. Think of the condescension and the humility and the forbearance and the patience involved in the Holy One who inhabits eternity. The Holy One who inhabits eternity from everlasting to everlasting being subject to a temporal order. Our God is unique in this aspect, brethren. That He has personally identified with all of mankind and has come down to us all. We were not only made in His image, but He was also made in our likeness. It's written, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And yet our Creator did not take upon Himself the nature of angels, or anything higher than man, but was made like unto his brethren, a creation that was formed from the dust of the earth, made like unto his brethren. It would not have been that spectacular for an angel to come down in human flesh, or any other personality for that matter, but for the creator to take upon himself the creation. And not only the creation, but the creation that was responsible for sin. Well, this can't be anything but a token of God's goodwill towards us. A pledge of God's deliverance of mankind. That's exactly what the angel of the Lord announced following Christ's birth. He said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
See, this was an act of goodwill toward men. And yet at the same time, the moment that Jesus came into existence, God himself got glory for it. For God to be with us is a tremendous delight to the sons of men, but it also revealed the person of God himself. He was with men. He came down to us. Something was seen about God in this. The angels saw something they'd never seen about God in this. Glory to God in the highest. He got himself glory when Jesus came down. Why would God be con- would condescend to the likeness of men if it were, were not to redeem us? And this is exactly what Jesus said. He said, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It might be saved. See, the world was condemned already before Jesus came. Why would the son lay aside the prerogatives of deity and humble himself and take upon him a form of a servant? If only to condemn a world that was already condemned. No, the reality that he came as a token of God's goodwill towards men and an open display of his righteousness, goodness, and mercy. He came down and was fully man, yet not, he was not any less God. His body had to be capable of containing the fullness of God. See, each one of us in Christ has been given a a measure of the Spirit. But see, it says unto him, he giveth the Spirit without measure. He had the Spirit without measure in his, in his body. He was the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily, Scripture says. It's written that no man can see the face of God and live. And when God came down on Mount Sinai, it was a terrible sight. There was a record of God coming down. It says he came down as fire. That's how he came down. He came down as fire. And Mount Sinai was altogether a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as of the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly. And there were people saw thunderings and lightnings and the noise of a trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and they stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And that wasn't the fullness of God coming down. That, that wasn't the fullness. But Jesus contained the fullness. He contained it. In his body. See, a, a body was prepared for him that would be able of containing the fullness of God. See, it's written, a body thou hast prepared for me. And Jesus contained the fullness. Yet simultaneously, he dwelt among us. And to experience and, then, and to know the frame of mankind. So the Godhead came, veiled, he made himself of no reputation. He came like undercover, yeah. veiled in flesh. You know, we sing that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. 
and there's a line in it that says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus are Emmanuel. He had to dwell among us. He had to know our weakness. He had to experience the tug of temptation. The toil and the hardships associated with living in a cursed creation. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he had to become a man because he had to take upon himself the sin of mankind. He had to descend. Man sinned. Man had to pay the penalty for sin. See, a righteous God demands a penalty for sin. And if man sinned, man had to pay the penalty for sin. But praise God that he came and he dwelt among us. And he was made a perfect offering for that sin. And whatever state you've passed through, whatever state you find yourself in this life, Jesus can be touched with the feeling of your infirmity. The advocate we have in heaven who sits at the right hand of God the Father knows the pilgrimage of life better than you do. He understands the hardship more than you do. He was despised and rejected more than you have been and more than you will ever be. He has felt the weight of the world more than you have and more than you ever will. He has suffered more than you have and he has suffered more than you ever will. He is our forerunner. See, he has run. He's run the race before us. He's trod the path before us. He's the captain of our salvation. He leads the way. See, he's leading the way. He's traversed this path before us. And see, this is by design. He came came to us by design. Why? Because you can't follow a spirit. You can't follow the wind. You can't really follow a, a rule. But you can follow a man. You can follow a man. You can follow the man, Christ Jesus. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. See, God was was manifest to us. He was introduced to us. In the person of Jesus Christ, came down and dwelt among us. Now, while he came down, he did not stay down. Jesus, Jesus descended, but he also ascended. He's not going to take a low seat forever. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took up with him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And a lot of people just end it right there. They just... They just put away their Bible and they say, Amen. They end it right there. But it doesn't end there. It says, Wherefore, for this reason, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That's everything. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, when He Himself had purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where He's at right now. That's where He's at right now. And He prayed this prayer. He said, Father, I will that they also, whom Thou hast given me, Be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Now, Jesus is Emmanuel. That's his name. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he left here, he didn't leave us. He said, behold, I'm with you even to the ends of the earth. Currently, right now, if you're in Christ as a new creation, you're seated together with Christ in heavenly places this very minute. You have access to that. But see, we, we haven't fully experienced the fullness of God being with us yet. Not the fullness. We, we have a foretaste. We have a taste of this. We have a foretaste of glory divine. It said, Beloved, Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. See, that's that's looking forward here. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. See, Jesus became like us in order that we might be like him. That's That's why he became like us. He didn't come, become like us so that we could stay down here in this mire and muck. He became like us so that we could go up. He came down so that we could go up. Amen. See, if you've believed on the Son of God, you are beloved. You're beloved. Why? Because Christ is beloved. Because, because He's the only begotten of the Father. And because He has respect and preference for the Son. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His name is Emmanuel, and he is still with us. But in the end, it's going to be in its fullness. It's going to be like a wedding. It's a wedding. The wedding feast will be perfectly united with the Lord. This is in Revelation. It says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold! The tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and and be their God. I praise God for Emmanuel. I praise God that he's a God that's not estranged from us. He's a God that's not not a God that's not personally invested. He's personally invested himself in us. And he's extended himself. He's give, see, when God gives of himself, he doesn't deplete. He doesn't depreciate. When you give something, somebody of the Lord, see, it doesn't depreciate. It extends. There's an extending. It's like the, the stone that was hewn out of the mountain. And it filled the whole earth. And of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Our God is a great... And a mighty God. Thank you, brethren. Thank you. Brother David has our exhortation.